Hello, everyone. Welcome to a new episode of One Vision. Joining us today is Shaw David, head of banking at RailsBank, a global player and banking as a platform, or as we call it, BASP. Um, we're making up new names in here. Let's talk about your background a little bit, my friend. It's been a while since I met you in Tokyo and with Lisa. That was right when the Apple Cart first came out. I remember that. Um, how have you been, um, first of all? And what is your journey and, and what brought you to RailsBank and what you guys are doing right now? Well, first of all, hi, Theo. Hi, Bradley. Um, thanks for having me. Uh, real pleasure to, to join you on the podcast. Um, yeah, it's been uh, an interesting period since our uh, last meeting in, in Tokyo. Um, and I do remember vividly you throwing that uh, metal card on the table um, white uh, with a smile on your face. Um, so a little bit about myself. Um, my background is uh, in retail banking. Uh, I spent about 10 years um, in the UK and various banks, most of the time with Nationwide Bond Society uh, on the mortgage space. Um, and about 2010, following the financial uh, financial crisis, I joined a friend um, at something that was called then uh, Financial Services Knowledge Transfer Network, which is today part of Innovate UK. And that was a, a not-for-profit organization trying to bring academia and business together, uh, which uh, Previously, banking and, and academia didn't talk to each other much, and, and trying to solve some of the systemic problems that surfaced during uh, that period between 2008 and 2010. Um, for example, we were looking, uh, and, and we're always using trying to use new technologies in order to solve some of those issues. For example, um, we worked with the Bank of England on uh, trying to figure out what is the best market construct uh, for stability and resiliency um, is for big banks and lots of smaller banks better and more resilient in absorbing different kind of shocks than perhaps 10 medium-sized banks. And, and we use something called agent-based modeling, which was uh, a known technology or a known modeling technique used in biology, but not through banks. Um, so another question we were looking at is uh, the cost of complexities of investing in mutual funds and then focus on, on pension funds. So really looking why the uh, financial system as it was uh, operating back then didn't really provide um, a, a good enough service to the consumer, um, working for the consumer. Um, and what just being way too more way too complex to manage. Um, so did that for a couple of years. Um, as things happen with uh, not-for-profit organizations, sometimes the uh, budget runs out, um, and that was uh, at the time when the UK government finally got out um, and, and realized that it can support the financial services without it being uh, really dangerous for them. Uh, which just happened to be at the same time where a bunch of uh, new startup uh, just started in uh, Shoreditch in, in London. So I was brought in to help the government figure out how to best support the, the nascent ecosystem um, through a different, you know, a wide array of measures, uh, be that through regulation, 
talking about the days uh, when the FCA just uh, tested different ideas like Project Innovate or the Sandbox, um, or even just going out and speaking to other regulators around the world about technology, um, other policy measures, but also just going out and uh, basically selling the UK um, as, as a hub of innovation and inviting um, companies to come to the UK and, and, and support. And the reason the government was interested uh, in that is because we always saw fintech as uh, as a tool to make the industry perform better, uh, deliver more value to the uh, end consumer, people who use the system was first and foremost, and then uh, obviously uh, creating a, a more robust and competitive industry as well, uh, jobs and good for politicians. Um, did that for three years. Uh, talked a lot about the future of banking, uh, met a lot of uh, great people, including Nigel Verdon, uh, the co-founder of Rails Bank, who was then still uh, at Currency Cloud. Um, they exited last week, which is great. Um, and after three years, I had uh, enough talking about the future of financial services. I really wanted to go back and building it. Um, brought up with, uh, with Nigel, and, and after a few beers, it was clear to me um, that my place was was there um, helping Resbank deliver on on a very ambitious vision. Happy that they thought so too. Um, a hell of a ride the last two years. Well, let's talk about that that ride a little bit. You you raised another thirty seven million in November, and uh, you have been you know sort of building out the rails uh, so to speak uh, in in many yeah. different uh, markets so so you had also said though that the, one of the most interesting battlefields that's going to happen between fintech and incumbents over the next couple of years is it's not going to be within a financial app it's going to be at the point of sale uh, can you talk a little bit about that and can you talk a little bit about sort of the plans with, with rails bank and what you what you guys are doing now yeah um, so I, th I think that comment was uh, um, Kind of really as a response to some uh, buy now pay later story or another, uh, but it 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 it, it basically that's 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 where um, we're seeing a customer acquisition uh, moving away from branches into the point where a service is actually needed, um, and 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 buy now pay later is a great example because the the, the product itself is nothing new, uh, it's hardly uh, a technical innovation, but these are companies that saw a gap in the market where um, at the point of sale, there is a need for a good old installment plan. Um, and they just realized that this is where you acquire customers. Uh, to acquire, you, know, you don't have to build a branch network um, or anything else. You just give, it, give the customer, the end user, the service when they need it. Um, and then if you expand that, um, then the, the point of sale is, is, is a point where every transaction is, is, is being delivered. Um, and that's never in a banking app. We, we all have those banks up in, bank apps in our phones. But you know, in, in, in terms of attention span, we spend, what, 1% at best on those, um, on those apps. All of our attention is elsewhere with other brands and other things that we want to do. Um, and that's a cliche, right? Financial services is not something that you want to do, it's something that you need in order to achieve another um, objective. Um, 
So that's that's underlined our vision at Relbank, um, that customers would want to interact with financial products at the point of um, of need, not uh, with the bank. Um, and what we're trying to do is deconstruct the process into its sort of, uh, digital components and enable product developers to build their use case and embed that uh, the products within an existing uh, user journey. So, they, the, so the end user doesn't have to flip between um, whatever it is that, they, that they're doing, um, purchasing uh, donuts or whatever, uh, Peloton, right? Purchasing a Peloton and then go back to uh, a credit card and, and have to do uh, to go through that process only to go back and complete uh, the purchase. Why can't they do it all in the same uh, in the same environment? And and purchasing a Peloton is an easy task, um, and Stripe you know can can do all that for you. Uh, but more complex transactions require uh, a little more complex products, um, and that's what we're trying to help. Um, basically, giving non-banks the ability to provide banking services, something that it couldn't be. Uh, to make available to them two years ago or four years ago. So we have recently seen a wave of mega rounds, IPOs, fintech unicorns. Um, I'm losing track because it seems like every few days there is a big one that pops up. We have Robinhood, Makeda. Coinbase wise, we had Gojek, well, simple. And then recently, as you mentioned, we have the MA um, with Currency Cloud, right? And all of these are big, big, big mega deals. And you mentioned also embedded banking, right? Helping um, non financial services entity provide financial services. That's also one of the hottest trends in fintech. Where do you think the industry is going? And recently we've seen. Um, Marks and Spencer Bank and uh, Tesco Bank, they're both saying we're done with the you know, current, current account business. At the same time, we have seen others who are popping up to try. What should they do, actually? What's the best way? I think I know what your answer is going to be. <laughs> I think there's, there's a couple, couple of different questions here. Um, yes, there. it's loaded. Um, in, in, in terms, I think, you know, what we're seeing now is um, Starting the, the the exit round for uh, fintech dot one dot oh right, um, and these were the sleek apps, um, the front end, better service, same product, similar product, just uh, executed uh, in a much better way, in much nicer way, uh, more transparent in terms of uh, pricing. Uh, that is, if we put Robinhood aside, that's another uh, conversation uh, itself, um, and those. Companies that um, started as um, we're anti banks, we can do it. We can do better. Uh, they're, they've reached their uh, big enough size to make uh, an exit, the, the, the right move for the investors. Where I think we're going um, is much deeper into the infrastructure because we haven't yet touched the infrastructure. Um, most of these. Uh, existing, you know, again, FinTech 1.0, we're domestic, uh, with the exception of uh, cross-border transactions. Most of the, most of the uh, 
big players were domestic because it's really, really hard to expand um, internationally because the, the systems are so uh, uh, so different, um, fragmented. Um, and, and there is no interoperability. And I think that's where uh, on, on the infrastructure level, interoperability across different methods uh, and particularly across different countries will create uh, interesting opportunities for the larger uh, larger brands and the larger tech companies. Yeah, again, expanding overseas in, uh, in Asia, take Asia for example, hardly any fintech that has uh, found success beyond its uh, domestic borders because the regulation is different and the, and the language is different and everything. So if we can solve that, uh, Rails Bank is working at, a, at, at one level. Um, the Bank of International Settlements and the Monetary uh, Authority of Singapore released this week um, a paper talking about um, what they've learned from the integration between Singapore and uh, Thailand's uh, payment systems and how that could provide a blueprint for more integration. Um, the impact of that could be massive from all the way to the to the to possibly spelling the demise of the uh, hard networks because you no longer need to have that cross-border trust element that I know I, I deal with this bank and there is a, a an intermediary that connects the other bank that don't that I don't know and, and doesn't know me and allows a transaction to complete if I can um, send the payment directly from uh, Singapore to Thailand on what is effectively the same vocaling system, um, then that creates a lot of opportunities. And if we, Rails Bank, can build on top of that, uh, break it in the same way into, into those components of account creation, sending or receiving money or issuing a card, um, then uh, GoJack, for example, or Grab, we need to create uh, multiple integrations in multiple countries. And they could truly then provide a consistent experience to their customers because they know that the underlying infrastructure from their perspective is the same or is, is, is close to uh, being the same as possible. Um, now, it's interesting what, what the retailers are um, how the retailers are responding to that um, and, and seeing the, the next wave of retailers opening up uh, banking entities. Um, you know, and 10 years ago when, when they did it, uh, we all cheered and because and, and, we all thought that uh, the branch network as a, as a hub for cross-sell uh, and customer acquisition is, you know, that, that role is diminishing. And I still believe that and, we, and it's probably accelerated in the last 18 months. Uh, but for the retailers to think that just because they have the footfall, uh, they can they, they can acquire customers for their financial products is is a bit of a stretch, I think. Um, you know, going back to what is what what is the problem that you're solving for a, a customer? No, I don't think anybody goes or will ever go to uh, to IKEA to open a bank account, a flat pack bank account. That sounds just awful, right? Uh, but if there's if there's other things, and you maybe start with uh, the IKEA Buy Now Pay Later uh, product, then you can build on top of that. Um, 
so you know the the, the retailers have, have have done it. Some of them have uh, you know, purchased banks. Some of them uh, acquire their own banking license. These are heavy uh, assets that requires a lot of investment. That requires a lot of uh, operational support, and it just doesn't doesn't make commercial sense. Um, banking as a service could could provide the same uh, the same type of service without the license. And again, ten years ago, that would not have been possible. It is now. Um, it's going to be as successful unless the, uh, unless they build the right sort of products. Uh, but at least the cost base is uh, significantly lower, and the and 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 the cost of scale, uh, possibly if you're a retailer across a number of uh, of jurisdictions, and again, he can rely on a consistent API to build a consistent user experience. It's uh, interesting to, to think about, you know, where Rails Bank could continue to grow. I mean, you have offices all around the world uh, in the U.S. and Singapore and Lithuania and Munich and you're in the U.K. And you, you've gone into Asia and Manila, Melbourne, Vietnam, Sri Lanka. It's, is there anything that, you know, financial services within an API cannot deliver? It's really going to be the question at the end of the day. And Nigel was here in this um, piece quoted as saying, our mission is to reinvent, unbundle, and democratize access to the complex, opaque, and Byzantine. And he was talking about the credit card market, but there's really yeah. not a market that you guys probably couldn't get into. But at the end of the day, to your point that you know, you're not going to go to Ikea to open up a flat pack account or a bank account, which is kind of an interesting idea. Um, there have been a lot of surveys that have attempted to dissect the question of whether or not consumers still trust banks. But I would push that back and say, who do they really trust most to deliver financial services? And as we're seeing with success of things like Buy Now, Pay Later and other schemes that have been rolled into, you know, non-bank entities, I guess the question is, it's the trust is not necessarily with banks. So do we need branches? Do we need cash? Do we need all of these things? Um, what is your take on, you know, where banking and where that trust is going to be centered kind of going forward. What, what's, what's the way that you look at that at Rails Bank? Um, yeah, it's, it's a really good question. Um, and I think you know, trust uh, is seen and probably different perceptions of trust uh, within different um, cohorts. Um, you know, I don't know if, if, if my, um, my perception of trust is the same as my kids. Um, but I, you know, I, I don't see the banks going anywhere. Um, there, there's a lot of discussion about the role of the branch, and I mentioned that before, or the role of cash. But the the, the big role that banks play in in, in in the economy is the creation of cash. Oh, it's the creation of money. Sorry, uh, through lending, fractional um, reserve banking, um, and historically, it, it perhaps no longer. Uh, in the last couple of years, but I don't have the I don't have the figures. But historically, most of money creation was done through lending and not through uh, asset purchase uh, by banks or quantitative easing. So there is a, a, a huge role for the uh, for the banking system in, in promoting economic activity. 
And I think that's not going to change. Now, the question for banks is, are they um, going to continue to build products on top of that key uh, role that they play and use that as um, a defense against others um, and, and just push products to customers uh, wherever they can find them? And I think that's not going to be the case any, any longer. Uh, what, what tech is fundamentally changing um, is both the, the, you know, the, the simplifying complex systems and processes into manageable chunks, uh, but it also simplifies and, 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 and uh, magnifies distribution, and no longer uh, constrained by brick and mortar. And if you put that into trust and where uh, where we spend most of our time, where our kids spend most, spend most of our time, and and what they need financial products um, in order to achieve, then you completely turn around the question. And it's not about whether I trust the bank to hold my funds or not, but it, where do I even meet my bank? Next generation, where are they going to even see the bank? Do they need to see the bank or will they fully blindly trust, but uh, trust the system uh, that it worst as loyalty they do not have. Uh, as soon as something goes wrong, they'll, they'll switch because they can, or simpler than it used to be. Um, so uh, that's, that's, that's the way I look at it. Um, brand, uh, the, the banks, their role, creation money, uh, uh, risk uh, management, fully uh, diversification, that's something that they do uh, better than others. Um, they take care of money well. They just don't need to take care of that money directly by, you know, finding you as a customer and, and, and telling you that, yeah, keep, keep your money with me. As long as, as long as I know that Facebook is not really regulated, but they hold the money with uh, you know, whatever bank it is, uh, City or Goldman, why do I care? Facebook is a whole different beast, though. <laughs> right? Um, but but you, you're right. Um, a couple of years ago, as as what people traditionally would do, I went and opened up two bank accounts for the kids. And um, with COVID, with you know the whole past year and a half, I realized that I can't always go to the branch to do things, and so I ended up closing the bank, the the account for them, and I opened up Acorns. Because to your point, right, for these guys, they are connected all the time. And, and for them, it really doesn't matter if it's something that they see on Main Street, which is what I was used to seeing. But for them, it's irrelevant. They're more connected to things that they see every day, to brands that they recognize and, and all that. So I think it's going to be really interesting going forward. Um, I want to go back to a comment you said earlier, though. Um, when you were talking about retailers and relation to financial services, what is the problem that you are solving, right? So if we take that question and look at where fintech has been, as you mentioned, fintech 1.0, what were the problems that these fintechs were trying to do? And just because you can doesn't mean you should. Um, did we actually solve what these guys had promised to do when they first started 10 years ago? Um. That the answer is probably no, um, and yeah, we have to look at the uh, the end consumer and are they are they better 
off now than they used to be. Um, and I think the jury's still out on that one. I'm, I'm, I'm not so sure. Um, and, and again, because the first wave of fintechs were uh, just doing the same, providing the same product, a little bit better, uh, cheaper. And, it, and, and in some cases, it's a, it's a little bit cheaper because it's uh, subsidized by huge VCs. Um, whether that's sustainable, I don't know. Um, but you know, if, if, if we look at specifically Robin Hood, and it's a great story this week, right? Um, have they really um, made the industry less opaque? I'm not sure. Um, back, you know, back in 2010 at the uh, Dollar Transfer Network, we uh, we looked at uh, the number of steps that uh, funds go from uh, me as a consumer uh, opening up an, an ISA, which is a tax uh, incentivized saving product in the UK, for me putting money into that product until it actually is invested. It's a share ISA. And we counted 16 steps. All of these 16 steps appear to be invisible to the end consumer. It's just the layer of layer of complexity that the industry have created um, in each, uh, each layer takes a very, 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 very tiny margin, um, but which, you know, kind of doesn't make much of a difference to the end consumer, and they don't even see it. Uh, but at high volume, it makes a lot of money for uh, those intermediaries. Robinhood talking about investing for everyone, um, reinvesting and, and all that, free, free trades, have that really made the industry any better um, when you put that uh, compared with data that they sold for, for the order flow, sell for the order flow. Does that put the uh, end user into uh, in a disadvantage again against the big boys? I don't know. I don't think we've, we've done that. And, and, and the key thing for me is transparency. Do they do 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 consumer know and understand what has been done with their uh, with their data? Are they benefiting from that data uh, in a meaningful way? Some would say yes, I get those uh, trades for free, and that's good enough. Others might say, well, no, I did, I, I don't think so. Um, but it's not transparent, and that and that's that to me is, is, is the key. That to me is, is the role of, of, of technologies to offer that transparency. Yeah, I think uh, if, if, if that transparency doesn't simply leads to hedge funds making money quick, more quickly than consumers uh, or large institutional investors, then what's the point uh, of all the fintech saying that they're doing something for good, right? Well, exa exactly. Uh, yeah, but having said that, as a consumer, if you want, if, if 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 that's transparent, and you still say, yeah, but I I do get GameStop at seven uh, and I sell it at four fifty, then great. But do they? Um, and it's just the same uh, slogans that were used before. Uh, banks started talking about life cycle things, and you know, Alex Johnson wrote a great. Um, piece on it this week about uh, life cycle marketing versus life cycle products. Um, have we have we gone to the next level? I don't think so, um, but I'm hopeful that we will. 
Well, and, and you know, is is the transparency and the sort of access to more services sort of e equating to how data is used in social networks and how data is used in search and these type of things. I mean, at the end of the day, we're all products. And the more transparency and opacity that we could have doesn't make up for, you know, what, what good could come out of it. Um, so to, to, to kind of wrap up the conversation, between all of the different fintech ecosystems in the world that RailsBank sort of plays within, uh, which one do you find sort of the most fascinating and has the most potential to evolve to sort of what's next? Uh, what, what are your sort of predictions about sort of where we're going and, and how does this all play out? Um, I think I think maybe because um, I, I know uh, sort of the UK and, and European system uh, fairly well, um, it, it's Asia and Africa that I'm uh, most excited about um, because because of that lack of uh, interoperability or high level of fragmentation across everything, uh, even even within countries. It, there are cases there where you have 10 different payment methods, which is all great because it gives access to different uh, or parts of the population, but uh, again, uh, potentially act, adds unnecessary friction, uh, layers of complexity that are not required. Um, we've all been waiting for the, uh, you know, the great leapfrogging uh, for, for, the, for these uh, regions. But we haven't seen that, and I think that's primarily a political issue. Uh, quite uh, interested in how how to bridge those uh, political divides across countries and, and 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 general competition between countries. Um, not trying to create um, local winners as the ultimate goal, but really making sure that. Uh, users of the system can operate seamlessly wherever they are uh, because trade regardless of uh, covid trade is global um, i believe that supply chains will continue to be global because that's a lot more efficient uh, maybe a pendulum um, but that, that, that's where I'm, I'm looking at um, and also in asia the way consumers interact with technology is, is way different uh, Super apps are, are an interesting development in Asia, which we don't really have uh, in Europe and we don't really have in in, in, in the US. Um, some fintechs might call themselves uh, super apps, but they're not. As long as you're not selling somebody else's products, you're not a super app for me. Uh, you're just a universal bank with a, a shiny uh, front end. So it's it's I'm, I'm, I'm interested whether uh, whether we here uh, in this side of the world will will adopt that kind of one stop shop for everything that then multiple lesson. I won't hold my breath though. Uh, not the, not the way that um, we we treat uh, services and products here, but we'll see. I, I would like to be proven wrong. Um, but anyway, thank you so much for joining us today, Joe. And um, thank you all for listening in to another episode of One Vision. I always love listening to stories and, and you know, people's uh, insights from other places. So this has been great. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. 
Thanks. And hopefully next time we'll see you in person somewhere fun. Fingers crossed. All right. Fingers crossed. Sooner Thank rather you. than later. Yeah. Sooner rather than later. Let, let's, let's shoot for 2022 at this point. But uh, thank you all for listening in to another episode of One Vision. We'll talk to you next week. Thank you.